Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 311. The summer rolls on, and we are now more than halfway through the schedule of the Elite Amateur Golf Series. I'm back in South Florida for a quick pit stop before heading out on the road to Utawa, Tennessee for the 117th Southern Amateur Championship at the Honors Course. This is a big one and much anticipated after the Honors recently had some restorative work completed. The overwhelming majority of the field is getting their first look and it's going to be a special one. The points race for the Elite Amateur Cup is starting to take shape as we only have two more tournaments before the series finale at the Western Amateur. This past week, I was in Dallas, Texas for the Transmiss Amateur Championship, contested at Brook Hollow Golf Club. Incredible venue, staff, members, super impressed with this tournament despite the sweltering conditions. I thought Greyhawk in Scottsdale was brutally hot for the NCAAs. This past week was right up there with the Arizona desert, and in some moments, it was even hotter. But I must again congratulate the entire staff at Brook Hollow, the Transmiss Golf Association Committee. They kept all the players, officials, and volunteers hydrated during a very challenging week. Impressive performance all around, and I can't thank them enough for their work this past week. Before jumping into this episode and chatting with the champion, Jake Holbrook, I was able to spend some time talking to the executive director of the Transmiss Golf Association, Rob Addington. Rob was the man running the show along with tournament director Amanda Cobb. Rob and I spoke about the Elite Amateur Golf Series and everything that the Transmiss Golf Association does throughout the year. Now don't forget the Elite Amateur Golf Series is close to its exciting conclusion at the Western Amateur, so make sure you are following on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the handles for the Elite Amateur Golf Series and the back of the range can be found in the show notes of this episode. And make sure you catch up on the previous episodes as well. Jackson Van Paris won the Sunny Hannah. Nick Dunlap went back-to-back at the Northeast and the North and South. So those episodes are available in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let's jump into this episode, catch up with Rob Addington. Rob, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Ben, great to be here and uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, we both are uh, speaking a day after the Trans-Mississippi Amateur at Brook Hollow in Dallas, Texas. We're both finally finally uh, out of that stifling heat that we both experienced. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, your home, This is a home game for you, Trans, uh, Trans-Mississippi Golf Association based out of Dallas, Texas. As a golf tournament administrator or you know administrator of a golf association, first and foremost, how nice is it to have a home game? Home games are good. They're <laughs> they're definitely uh, you know they're both good and bad. It's there's um, the ability to sleep in your own bed, and you if, if you get something, it's easy to you know swing by the office and grab something, which is really nice. But then there's also that expectation of kind of being home and I'm, oh, I'm going to try to get a home before it's too late or whatever, and those kinds of things. So, um, Brook Hollow is also my home club. So there was a little extra, um, you know, feedback input, uh, from other members of the club, 
uh, throughout our preparations for the event. Yeah, I guess that that is kind of a double edge. Uh, wouldn't call it a sword, so to speak. But yeah, there's a lot of different moving pieces when you are a member of the club, and then also you have uh, you know friends and family, and and everyone knows you're in town running the basically the biggest biggest championship of the Trans Mississippi Golf Association. Um, just for people that may not be fresh on on how many events and what the Transmiss does from a uh, from you know month to month, year to year basis. What's kind of your role uh, throughout the year with this uh, with the association? Well, I have the pleasure of serving as the executive director for the association, and we conduct four events throughout the year. We have a junior-senior event, which is a senior player over 55 and a mid-amateur, really, is, is what that is. Um, then we have a senior championship that has become one of the top senior events across the country, um, then we have the Transmiss Amateur Championship, and then we've had a four ball in the past, uh, and this year, uh, starting in 24, we're going to switch to a mid-master event that would be 40 and above uh, to senior age um, and have a 54-hole championship for that group. We've lumped them in with our senior event before, and there seems to be a demand for that. And it's certainly, you know, difficult uh, as you get closer to a senior, but not quite, uh, not quite there. There's a little no man's land there for for a lot of players. I'm right there. And That's why I just do podcasting and photos for a living, Rob. That's why yeah. I, I'm right. I <laughs> understand. Know, I know right what you're talking about. You're yes. like, I can't compete with these young guys anymore, and I'm not. I'm not old enough yet to play with the seniors and have them beat the crap out of me. So yeah, I'm in a no man's land. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we've had that be part of our senior and we think that there's just, you know, a market for that, uh, you know, for that group of players, it gets them, you know, another chance to get, be involved with the transmiss generally that, you know, groups a little bit more established in their business career and their family and, you know, uh, can learn more about what, you know, what we do and what our mission is and try to get them, you know, engaged with the, with the association. This is the second edition of the elite amateur golf series, uh, second year of this, uh, uh, this great concept and the transmiss, uh, amateur is basically, well, it is, it's the first tournament of the series that is, uh, run by an association that doesn't have a permanent home. So obviously the Sunny Hannah is always at Sunny Hannah Country Club. The Northeast is always at Wanamoisa. North and South is always at Pinehurst. So you're kind of kicking off this run of the, the Transmiss and the Southern, the Pack Coast and the Western. They all move around from year to year. What have you seen just in this short sample size, the impact of the Elite Amateur Golf Series on you know, your, your interest in the, tr- the interest in the transmiss, the field size qualifying, you know, what has it kind of done in just the last year or two? Sure. Well, I, I think conceptually the idea, you know, it took a, a while for us to get it together and work through it. Um, and the second year we didn't really have any major tweaks, but we certainly learned a lot. Uh, you know, I think for all of our events, our fields got stronger. Uh, there was more demand by more of the top players, uh, you know, to try to play. And as they build their schedules, the trans being kind of the third, fourth event of the series, 
Um, and like you say, the first one that kind of moves around, um, we've learned a little bit about how that works in our tie-in with the Southern that follows us and, and their movement a little bit. We, a lot of us have scheduled, you know, several years out uh, for siding and, you know, maybe tweak a little bit of that uh, basically to try to make it as easy on the players as possible. Sure. The intent is not necessarily that someone would play in all seven, but to certainly give them the opportunity if they wanted to, that they, they, they could play in all, all seven. Um, the benefits that we've been able to secure through the series are really beneficial to the players by some USGA exemptions, um, both to the U.S. Amateur and to the final stage of the U.S. Open, the PGA Tour exemptions, the Corn Ferry Tour exemptions, you know, are very attractive to those players. And I think you tie that in with the Tours PGA University and players are taking notice. Uh, they're basing their schedules on it. You sit in the scoring tent and you can hear who's going where next. And I couldn't get in this, but I, you know, maybe through this, I can get into the, you know, another event by my good performance yeah. in, in one of the other series events. So we're still, you know, there's some tweaks, I think, you know, to come. Um, but it's been very, I think, very positive. It's been great for the top players. And we've tried to then talk to some of the events that aren't part of the series and encourage players that don't get in those events. Hey, go play in those events. And if you have a good event or two, then you'll raise your stock and hopefully be able to, you know, to play in series events as as the series moves on. So overall, I think it's been a great thing for for college golfers. I think it's been a great thing for each of the events has, you know, set some expectations and that we raise the level of the way things are done and the places that we go. And the golf community has kind of rallied around it. It's, you know, funny. I got three calls this morning from college coaches asking questions about, you know, how my player do, how'd they do this. It was great. They really enjoyed it. All the various different, uh, you know, aspects and Hey, you know, I had a kid that he finished 12th. Do you think you could call and help get him in one of the other events? Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, lots of those things that go on, but the golf community seems to be paying attention and it was really built to benefit the players was the whole concept behind yeah. it. And I think that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great points that you brought about trying to get into tournaments. Cause I've been kind of seeing that firsthand through my travels and being around all the guys and, and watching, um, you know, watching these great tournaments and yeah, there's massive demand for these tournaments where, yeah, there may be some, you know, times where a kid may be disappointed that he's not in a field for a tournament that, you know, his friends and his teammates and colleagues are in. But yeah, the best way to get into that tournament next year, go plan something else and post a high number and and build your resume. I mean, I don't know any other way to do it um, because, yeah, these fields are filling up. So you got to kind of stack some things on your resume to get noticed. Yeah. Well, I would say like this year for us, we probably would, we have an exemption criteria and probably in an average year before the series started, we would have 60 to 80 players that are exempt that would apply. So about half your field. So about half the field. Okay. This year we had 111 
out of 144 player field that were exempted into the event. Yeah. Which certainly made it harder for those that were not exempt to, you know, to get in. And then the wagger ranking of the players that did get in probably dropped maybe on average, maybe even 300 places. So, and not to say that there are not a few players that get in that don't have a higher ranking for whatever reason, or last year they finished in the top 25 sure. and are exempt, even though they, their wagger ranking may not be so good. We give, you know, three exemptions to the host club. Most of the time, those are, you know, mid amateur players, uh, you know, that get those spots and, you know, it's obviously harder for the mid amps to have, um, lower wagger rankings. Sure. And, and we do and have traditionally tried to invite top mid amps to play. And so we had 11 mid amps in this year's field and several of them were ranked or exempt, uh, you know, based on their play. So there were some really, you know, strong mid amps, uh, that played in the field and, um, one of them, I think. Yeah, Evan Beck. 20, Evan yeah, Beck, Evan you know, Beck had a three really, under for really, the... really good tournament. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. There's, um, um, yeah, it's just a, there's so many good players out there. Well, I'm going to be talking to uh, Jake Holbrook in a few minutes here about his dramatic come from behind win yesterday at Brook Hollow. But uh, before I let you go and get you uh, focused on the next. Uh, order of business in your world. Talk to me about, you know, your club. We just mentioned it, Brooke Hollow, your, your member there, kind of a home game for you. But, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know, if you weren't there, you just don't know. Talk about what Brooke Hollow did to put this championship on not just the condition of the course, because I think all the courses at this level in the Elite Amateur Golf Series, every course is basically putting out their best and they're targeting that time of the year where they're going to be hosting a championship. But I think the hottest it was, um, was a heat index during the afternoon of the second round on Wednesday. And I believe the heat index got up to 115. Uh, if I'm wrong and it's higher, please don't tell me. I don't want to know. And we don't, this is recorded right now, so we don't need anyone to know that. But um, you know, all jokes aside, what did Brooke Hollow do to make sure that this championship was conducted in a, in not just an excellent fashion, but in a safe fashion? Yeah, well, it was, you know, you can tell and the players can tell when they're at a venue that really wants to host the event. And Brooke Hollow and Transmiss have a long history. We have several board members that are board members of the Transmiss that are, you know, members of Brooke Hollow. And the club really got behind it. They created a, a host club committee that was chaired by Artie Stars, who's the CEO of Topgolf and a, you know, really fine player. And they just went above and beyond and having volunteers uh, that were you know, spotters sitting out in the heat and uh, making sure that the players were taken care of. You know, we had cold towels and water uh, at least every other hole. We had electrolytes everywhere. We had additional tents that were put out that were just, you know, a place to go stand in the, in the shade. We had players, you know, we had people driving around, you know, monitoring, checking, make sure the players were in the caddies and any of the fans were, were okay. The club basically opened up all of its facilities 
the halfway houses and all that to the players could go in and grab anything that they wanted. Um, so it was a, you know, it was a pretty special effort to, you know, to watch your club get some behind something like that. You know, we had a lot of people around 18 green that got to see some pretty dramatic things there, uh, you know, on 18 with a birdie to go into a playoff and then the dramatic, uh, you know, winning putt, uh, in the first playoff hole. Um, and uh, you know, the club has had some past transmiss champions that are members of the club. So there's just a long history and the club really supports amateur golf and, you know, they fed the players fantastically. They gave them extra, you know, we gave every player, the club gave every player an extra water bottle. Uh, so they're just, you know, a lot of little things that trying to do to make sure everybody was, you know, safe and, and okay, you know, during some pretty tough conditions encourage a lot of, you know, Hey, there's shade over here. And luckily, as we had talked about earlier, there was a little bit of an, a breeze that, that definitely, uh, definitely helped, but it was, you know, it's usually hot in July in Dallas, but it was, um, one day was especially hot. And unfortunately it was a day that, that we had, uh, still the whole field playing. So, you know, a wave got to, to play in the heat. The other last two days of the cut, we moved our tee times up, you know, a little bit earlier and played in threesomes and did a double wave so we could try to get finished before it got, um, too oppressively hot in the afternoons. Well, it was a great championship. I can't wait to talk to uh, to Jake Holbrook about uh, those last few holes where uh, where everything changed really quickly, and he uh, he walked away with the championship. But um, hope to see you down the road uh, at the conclusion of the Elite Am Golf Series at the Western Amateur, and hopefully at the U.S. Amateur as well. And uh, yeah, thank you again for the hospitality uh, this past week in Dallas. And um, yeah, appreciate you stopping by the back of the range, Rob. Great. Well, thank you. We appreciate all that you're doing for the Elite Amateur Series, and it was great to have you in Dallas. And uh, come back in the uh, fall sometime when it's a little cooler, and we'll actually go play. Sold. (laughs) Sold. Jake Holbrook captured the win at the Transmiss this year. It was incredibly dramatic as the lead changed hands on the 71st hole after a four-shot swing. And if that wasn't enough, Jake sealed the deal on the first playoff hole after draining a 60-foot birdie putt to clip Neil Shipley for the championship. Jake is a member of the Oklahoma Sooners men's golf program. Many of them were in attendance and competing this week, but Jake is the one that lifted the trophy at the very end. Let's catch up with him now and talk about his win. Jake, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Ben? I'm I'm good. I'm home out of the Texas heat. Uh, you still have some golf to play in the next couple of days, USAM qualifier, but uh, you're about 24 hours uh, post uh, championship at the Transmiss, and uh, yeah, you're the 119th Trans Mississippi Amateur Champion. I think you had a social media post saying hasn't sunk in yet. Has it gotten any better for you yet? Yeah, somewhat because you know, I mean, I feel like time kind of makes everything a little bit better. But to be honest, it's it's still like kind of a little bit surreal because you know i mean getting to win something like this getting the opportunity to play and stuff like this is is already really cool and to kind of win it in that fashion i mean that was was something i'm never going to forget so it it has sunk in and it's still 
still really awesome. I mean, my my brother asked me today, my caddy, Ty, he was like, hey, how you feel today? And I'm like, I feel good, but it's still kind of kind of crazy. So it's it's sinking in, but it, it feels really nice. Well, we will definitely talk about the uh, the conclusion of the tournament yesterday, which was probably one of the more dramatic finishes in amateur golf I've seen in quite some time. Um, but as we tend to do here at the back of the range, I know many people know that you're a Sooner playing for Coach Hibble. He had a lot of Sooners there at Brook Hollow. I think you guys, I don't know if you guys got a group discount or something, but we'll, we'll get into that later. But you're a Granbury, <laughs> Texas native. And last time I checked, um, you know, that's just, what, an hour or so, two hours southwest of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Talk to me a little bit about Granbury, Texas, and where you got your start in the game. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy that you bring that up because my start to the game was a little bit different than most people's. I I grew up up playing a lot of other sports. I was big into soccer and football. My dad played football at Baylor. And so I kind of grew up in, in other sports, you know, all through elementary school and middle school. And then kind of one day I, you know, a couple of my buddies, they went out to this golf course here in town and they're like, Hey, we're going to go play. And I was like, Oh, that sounds fun. So I went out and I had played like a little bit. I'd gone to the driving range with my dad when I was younger. Um, so I knew a thing or two and I guess I was fairly athletic. So I was like, I'll go figure it out. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, I kind of, I got what most people say. I kind of got the bit by the golf bug. And, uh, next thing I know I'm 13 years old and I'm like wanting to go to the golf course every day. And I kind of fell in love with it. And, um, I got really lucky actually here in town. I, I had one of my best friends growing up. His name's Tucker Allen. He now plays at University of North Texas. Um, he was he was a young prodigy when when we were kind of growing up, and so I got to play with him every day, and that that helped make me a lot better, a lot a lot quicker than what I expected. And um, I owe a lot of my kind of success and my my accomplishments to him because he he taught me a lot really quickly and then you know I had a again being really lucky I had a kind of group of friends here in Granbury that we all graduated high school at the same time I mean I graduated with with four other guys that went to play college golf at some level um so we had a group that we would go play golf with my little brother um who was on the bag this week he's He's going to play for Coach Edwards at uh, CU this next year. Nice. Um, yeah, we. It was. It's really kind of cool. I mean, Granbury's not that big of a town, and we had a lot of really solid players kind of come out of here at my time or my time. And so it was. I got kind of lucky. It was really cool to be a part of. Now, are these uh, products of Star Hollow or products of Canyon West? So actually, we're products of Harbor Lakes. Oh, is the the name of the golf course here in Granbury? Um, yeah, it was. It's kind of, I guess you could call it the exclusive place of Granbury. Star Hollow is out near where Tucker Allen lives, and Canyon West is out, I think, kind of near Weatherford. Um, 
but yeah, here in Granbury, it's a place called Harbor Lakes is where I was starting at 13 years old. I started playing and it's kind of been home for me ever since. And a lot of the boys here that I play with, they kind of call it home too. So it's really cool. Well, it's always good to have a place where you can kind of get your feet wet and, and learn a little bit about the game. And, and again, as I've said many times on, on this podcast, you know, you got to have a place that encourages junior golf and makes the kids mm-hmm. feel welcome where they can actually go have fun and not feel like they're in the way or anything like that. I, I think we've all been to those places where you kind of get looked at oh, as definitely. a kid. Yeah. You're, that's, there's nothing worse than that. Even, even when you get to this level and you're playing in tournaments, when you show up someplace and you're like, all right, they uh, they may not want us here. Yeah, that's um... <laughs> yeah. They're, if they're not accepting to younger crowds, it kind of gets annoying because you're like, I'm just trying to, you know, play golf, and you yeah. know, I mean, you're not gonna get in the way, but they think you are, so it kind of stinks. Yeah, that's that's not a fun way. And um, oh, while we're on the topic, um, in the complete 180 degrees uh, difference between what we just talked about, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a club go above and beyond to host a championship. And actually I talked with Rob Addington about this uh, just a minute ago, but man, Brooke hollow had a big task of trying to keep you guys all safe and hydrated. Uh, they were all hands on deck. I was really impressed with what they did. Oh man. I, I can't even begin to explain the amazingness that Brooke hollow, you know, expressed this last week. They, First off, I had never been out there. I'd heard so many great things about it. Um, and then I'd show up on property and it exceeded all my expectations. I mean, they, you know, they knew it was hot. They knew that there were going to be a bunch of people out there and they went above and beyond everything that was expected with providing us with enough hydration, with enough shade as much as they could. Um, anything that they could possibly do to make it easier on us with the wet towels or anything else that they could do. Brooke hollow was by far one of the best host courses I've ever been at. Um, not only was it in immaculate condition and just an amazing golf course in general, but they did a fantastic job all week of taking care of their, players and their spectators they they truly did an amazing job and it was honestly just an honor to be able to come out there and compete at their course this week because it was truly amazing yeah i i just felt that the entire week they were just i mean just they were running people out there to refill coolers and checking up on everyone i mean i numerous times i was just sitting there and people stopping by asking me, Hey, do you need anything? You need a towel, you need water. What do you need? And I was just, I was really, yeah. really impressed. They were just very proactive the entire tournament. So, um, and you know, now normally <laughs> it's funny. We talk about uh, adverse weather conditions. So we had the exact opposite earlier this year at big 12 at Prairie Dune. So we had the extreme heat of the transmiss, which, you know, you're there. And then obviously you're there for big 12 playing for Oklahoma the, the brutal cold. So um, where do you, whether, okay, normally when I'm talking to players, it's about, you know, wind and rain and, and you know, freezing conditions. Um, where do you go mentally when the surrounding conditions are basically telling you like, hey, let's pack it in? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because that week was, 
another one of those that I'm kind of just going to always hold on to in the memory bank because not only was it, you know, the, the crappy conditions that, you know, you occasionally grow up playing in, but kind of off topic here, but I got to play behind Ludwig Aberg. I've um, heard of him. Yeah. He, uh, I was, I was right behind him. Uh, I was the pairing behind him when he shot 63. Uh-huh. Um, and so I got to watch a lot of that golf, um, that day. And it was, Ben, I tell you that, that day it was, it was probably blowing a steady 20 to 30 miles an hour steady all day. And it was about 45 degrees. So, I mean, you can imagine how kind of crappy golf weather that is. Oh, I was there. So and, uh, I don't need to imagine it. I was there. <laughs> you were there. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You remember that. Oh yeah. I, I think I have a, a vague recollection of that. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes. And, and watching that guy shoot seven under par bogey free that day was one of the absolute most amazing golf rounds I've ever witnessed in person. I wasn't even paired with him, but I watched his shots from the group behind. And I was like, this, this isn't even, this doesn't even seem possible right now. Yeah. And because I thought I played pretty well and I shot one over par, I shot 71 that day and he beat me by eight strokes and he made it look kind of easy. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this, this guy is, he can golf his ball. And it was, but yeah, I mean, you, you were talking about the different weather conditions and, you know, I mean, we just faced probably the hottest we're going to face all year, maybe with Greyhawk being the exception. Um, yeah. It gets pretty warm out there. Um, But yeah, I mean, then all of a sudden a couple months back, we're sitting there wearing, you know, beanies and, and mittens and trying to stay cool. It's, Amateur golf is so cool because you get such a wide variety of conditions and golf courses. Honestly, I feel like more frequently than the pros do because, you know, their, their schedule is sort of designed to match the weather all year round. Sure. Um, and so, but for amateur golf, I mean, we can, you know, our schedule, we can pop up to, you know, Arizona, we can go to Purdue, for instance, this last year, I mean, it kind of just depends. We're sort of at mercy of weather, and it's it's really cool to see because a lot of guys at our level, you know, we we have to experience that weather and kind of go through the, the trials and tribulations of kind of dealing with all the different aspects of Mother Nature a lot of times, but it, I feel like it kind of teaches you to to be a little bit better. I mean, I feel like it's very rare that you kind of get to see the guys on tour on TV kind of battle some of the conditions that a lot of amateur golf happens. Um, they they very well might, but I, I feel like just kind of on TV it doesn't happen as much. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's kind of cool to get to see some really good players like an amateur golf, you know, face those 30 mile an hour winds or those 40 degree, uh, days. Like it's, it's kind of, it's interesting to at least get to be a part of and try to battle that out with everybody else, you know, that is a really good player as well. 
Yeah, that's why everyone kind of likes uh, watching the Open Championship because the conditions can pop up and you get to see these guys uh, go at it. So when you're dealt a situation where the weather is challenging, where do you, how do you kind of get locked in for that when everything else is telling you like, hey, just let's just get through this and, and whatever I shoot, I shoot, but it's too hot, it's too cold. How do you kind of reprogram your brain to, to lock in? Like you're kind of talking about, we had a really good example of that this last week, um, battling the the heat. And like I, I think I talked to you about after the second round, I mean, just preparing myself for, you know, the heat and the weather for the next two days. I mean, when all of a sudden you kind of get backed up against the wall, whether it be weather or whether it be, you know, just the way you're playing that day or whatever, when you kind of got to accept, and I, I feel like, you know, Coach Hibble's done a really good job at this because in Oklahoma, we, you know, we get some really crappy weather. Um, <laughs> a lot of times it comes year round. Like there can be some days where it just starts dumping rain. And so Hibble's done a really good job of, you know, making sure we are equipped to play in that kind of stuff. And it's, it's sort of a mentality that he teaches and he kind of hopes that you come in with a little bit of like, you know, even though it's raining or even though it's windy, it no one's feeling sorry for you. Yeah. Kind of got to just what, what he would say is like, you got to sack up and you got to, you know, of course he would perform. Of course he would. <laughs> really? I know he would. I know he <laughs> I mean, would. It, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a great mentality that he instills in all of us. And he does it at a very early age too. I mean, the freshman coming in, I mean, you can ask, you know, Jay Summy and Matthew Troutman this last week, they had great weeks here at the transmiss and they'll both tell you that, I mean, Hibble's not going to give you any, you know, leeway on being younger. He's like expecting you to, know how to handle it. He's expecting you to sack up and be a big time player and hit big time golf shots. And that, I think that is something that has been one of the biggest blessings in my amateur golf career is having Hibble push me and expect the most out of me along with the rest of my teammates, because it's, it's, he expects the most out of his team, which he rightfully should, because he has prepared us for pretty much anything that can be thrown at us. Well, it ter- it clearly paid off, and um, you know, by you just kind of getting through that that week and everything that comes with it, um, you were obviously not the only Sooner to be there at Brook Hollow. Like I joked about earlier, you know, I don't know if you had a group discount at registration, but you know, you had yeah, uh, <laughs> somebody there, and you had uh, Mister. Mr. Campbell Jr. Esquire, uh, you know, we had, had him there, and, and obviously Goodwin was with you in the final group with uh, Neil Shipley, uh, Troutman. Am I missing anyone? Uh, was was Goderup snuck in there somehow? I mean, who, who am I missing? Anyone? I mean, I don't know. We had we had Jackson Dowell there. Yeah, Jackson, Jackson Dowell. Dowell that's right. In attendance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Welch was around there somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, a lot of Sooners. He probably was. He probably was somewhere. I don't know. Um, how do you compare amateur golf in the summer to college golf? I mean, whether it be like just a general vibe or like, 
you know, I'm not going to ask you to pick which one you like better unless you have an answer for that. But like what for people that may think it all just falls into one big bucket of, you know, amateur golf, you know, what's what's maybe the difference that you're seeing with college golf and amateur golf? No, honestly, that is that's a great question, because I, you know, getting to experience college golf for four years now and then now getting to experience amateur golf for a while, it's. There's definitely a difference, but I think it's a really cool difference because, you know, I'm getting to experience these big time events now with a lot of, you know, some of my best friends. I mean, a lot of my best friends are my teammates. And so, you know, getting to go to Sunny Hannah Northeast, um, transmiss with all these guys, it's, it's cool because we all travel week in, week out in season with each other. Like, I mean, Drew Goodman and I, and Stephen Campbell and Luke Kluver and all these guys that we're going to these events with. I mean, we, we travel with each other every week and it, it's almost a different mindset though, because when you go to an event, that's a college event, you, you got Hibble sitting there and it's kind of like, you know, you, you almost feel like a responsibility to the team, which I think is a great thing. But at least for me, um, when it comes to amateur golf, like, you know, these outside summer events, I kind of, it's almost more of a chip on my shoulder. Um, you know, for instance, like Drew Goodman, for example, he, uh, he's a two-time All-American and he just finished his sophomore year of college. I mean, this kid has proved that he is amazing in every aspect of the game and he's done it. And just like a bunch of my other teammates, but whenever I step into a summer event with him, I want to beat the brakes off true. There you go. And I'm sure he wants to do the same thing to me. I'm sure he wants to do just like, you know, we all want to do to, like each other and you know i mean everyone here at these tournaments we're all we all know each other in some aspect and we've all played a bunch of golf against each other and we know each other's games but i mean getting to compete actually against each other without kind of hoping the other one does well if that makes sense, because he's on a team with you at that point, I feel like right. amateur golf is sort of that way because you're kind of like, it's, it's you against the field more so than your team against other teams. And so, I mean, obviously I hope drew and Steve and Luke and Dal and Troutman and Summy, all my, all my, you know, best friends, I hope they're, playing amazing. I'm super proud of everybody this week at the transmiss, but at the same time, like, I'm, you know, I'm glad I beat them and I'm sure they would be yeah. the same way to me. It's just kind of like a, it's a, it's a inner squad competitiveness kind of cool thing. And it's, it's a lot of fun getting to compete in this amateur stuff, especially cause this is my first year in a lot of these big time events. So I'm just, you know, honored to, I'm happy and honored to be a part of the field and getting to compete in this. So I, I have you found a spot where you're going to put the trophy when you get back to school so that it's visible to all your, your <laughs> teammates when they come over. I mean, are you just maybe fill it up with like jelly beans or, or snack mix and just like, Hey, <laughs> anybody need a pretzel? I mean, I mean, maybe something, I don't know. Um, 
I'm sure you can think of something. You have plenty of time before you guys get back to Norman, so you can you can kind of yeah. kick, kick that around. Um, before I let you go and let you get ready for your U.S. Amateur qualifier, um, this tournament, first three rounds of the championship, you shoot the exact same score as the eventual runner-up, Neil Shipley. Can't remember seeing that. Um, uh, you saw a lot of Neil's game the, this past week, other than Nick Dunlap, really in the course of this series, he, he just might be the most consistent performer in amateur golf this summer. I think this is his fourth runner up. It's just, it's, it, he's, he's everywhere. He's, he also qualified for the USAM. So, um, so yeah, he's, he's having a hell of a summer. Um, you go into this, um, to this final round and you make four birdies on the front you're but you know through 13 holes you're one under and then neil is three under through 13 holes and then just to kind of you know run through the back nine you get to this 15th hole uh par five neil makes eagle you make par um you're you're down this thing's over what are you thinking at this point when you get to the 15th 16th hole um i'm sorry four let's see 14 he made eagle i apologize so he makes Eagle mm-hmm. at 14, then, you know, at this point, what are you thinking are your chances to actually pull this thing off? This is actually crazy because I actually ended up texting with Neil a little bit after, uh, like, last night after the tournament was over. And first off, I want to say Neil was an amazing competitor all week because not only did we shoot the same score – the first three rounds, but we actually shot the same score. The final round, we shot four identical rounds and went into the playoff. Um, so we were, you know, identical all week long until somebody had to, you know, I guess come out on top after that. But it was it, being a part of that final round was really, I mean, it was a roller coaster of emotions because. Like you said, when we started off, you know, Neil and I were at 10 and Drew was at nine. So we're like, it's anybody's ball game at that point. Yeah. You know, we, I was, I was the first one to make a fault. I bogeyed two. Um, so I fell one back, but then all of a sudden I kind of got it going. I made four birdies in a row on three through six. Yeah. And so I, I kind of got on a little bit of a heater there, but then, you know, it, it's golf and then all of a sudden, you know, you can make four birdies in a row and then I blink and I make a double on seven and I drop back to pretty much all square. And so then at that point, it's anybody's ball game with, you know, 10, 11 holes to play and fast forward to 14, like you were talking about, Neil hit two absolutely incredible golf shots on number 14. I mean, he hit a perfect tee shot middle of the fairway. And I, it it looked like it was probably a three iron. Um, He hits this three iron man and absolutely stripes it to like 15 feet. And I, I hit it in the fairway bunker. I had to lay up to like 140 and I hit a horrible 140 yard shot, missed the green. I had to get up and down for par. So I'm chipping for four behind the green while Neil's sitting there laying two, you know, 15 feet away. I chip it up there to a foot, save par, but then all of a sudden he makes it. And yeah, I mean, after 14 holes, Neil's five up. Yeah. And Drew and I are kind of like, we're both at 
I don't know what that would have been. We were like 10 under par yeah. and Neil was like 15. And so, I mean, yeah, at that point, it, it almost seems like it was a little bit of, you know, kind of defeat. But it, I mean, I'm not going to lie. At that point, I'm like sitting there trying to compete with Drew because I wanted second. And <laughs> right. so, and because it, you don't expect anything like that to happen. And then, Honestly, what was kind of strange was when on 15, I hit a good wedge shot in there to like eight feet on that back left pin and Neil hit a good wedge shot on 15. Honestly, I thought it was going to be fine. And he one skipped it over the green because the greens kind of got firmer out there. Um, he skipped it over and it kind of nestled down in the bunker and when he made five on 15 and I happened to make birdie there, that two shot swing all of a sudden took it from a five shot lead to a three shot lead. And we had three to go and it still seems unlikely, but I was like, okay, wait, there's a little bit of a chance here. Um, if I can, you know, do something great, you know, maybe I can force something. And so 16, you know, I mean, you were out there watching. I hit it in the fairway bunker. He hit it in the fairway. I hit a great shot out of the fairway bunker. I didn't, I didn't convert the putt. He two putted as well. So we go into 17 and it was, he had a three shot lead with two to go. And to give credit to Neil, this was, I mean, this is like a hole that, people in a, a PGA tour event or major championship would be scared of to finish. It's not an easy golf hole. You are 190 yards downhill. Par water, three, downhill. Yeah, downhill. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Go, go ahead. Walk, walk through the hole. Exactly what it is. It's it was the, the final round. It was playing 187 yards um, downhill over water with wind that is kind of like flip flopping on us. And, it hadn't played easy all week. It's it's honestly a pretty intimidating shot. And so, you know, everybody that kind of saw the scorecard, they're like, oh, well, you know, that's not great. But to be honest, like, it's, it is not an easy golf hole. It Like, you can mess it up without really hitting that bad of a golf shot. And it, I mean, like I said, I talked to Neil and – it can kind of take one bad swing. I mean, it's happened to me before it's happened to a lot of people. It's all of a sudden something like that happens. And it's, I mean, I made probably, I hit probably the best shot I hit all week on that hole. Um, it just happened to kind of line up right there. I, I hit it really close and I had the, you know, the luxury of hitting first which in that kind of instance, that, that can play a big, big role because I kind of added some pressure on him. Um, and, you know, it ended up not panning out very well. But then, you know, fast forward to 18, you know, I go from three down going into 17 to all of a sudden it's a four-shot swing on 17 to where I'm one up. And so it's a complete mindset flip. And we go into 18, one hole to go. And you could kind of tell that obviously momentum had shifted just like it kind of naturally would. But at the same time, I have to get credit 
I have to give credit to Neil again because even when we got up on that tee box, you know, obviously I'm carrying a little bit more confidence myself. Like I realize I'm in this golf tournament again and I have all the power at this point. Neil showed no signs of wavering. Yeah, He was like, he knew he still had a shot to win that golf tournament and he bowed his chest out and he, he sacked up and he hit a golf shot. And so we, you know, fast forward to the green, he hits it to 15 feet downhill, left to right putt. I hit it to 20 feet middle of the green. Cause I have a one shot lead. I wasn't going to try and be aggressive. Right. I lag it up there. Neil goes from making triple on 17 to burying a 15 foot downhill putt on 18 to force a playoff after everything that had just happened the whole before. And he extended it to extra holes, which was, to be honest, I think it was, I mean, that took some serious sack to do that. I mean, it's one of your favorite words. Um, what, um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you make like a 50 footer to win on the first playoff hole, but I know this is kind of an odd question to ask the guy that made the putt to win the championship, but if you're a fan watching it or mm-hmm. just kind of st- stepping back, what's more impressive, you making the 50-footer or Neil making the 15-footer in regulation to clinch a playoff spot? To be honest, I think the more impressive thing was because, like, you don't expect anybody to make a 50-footer. And so the fact that the circumstance-wise – after knowing Neil had just gone through that big kind of upset on 17, the fact that he just turned it around and did that was impressive as crap. Because, I mean, I get onto 18, and, I mean, in the playoff, I'm just sitting there, that putt, yeah, I mean, I hit a great putt, and I trusted the line and everything. But, I mean, to make a 60-foot putt, I mean, that requires a lot of, yeah, a lot of, I mean, a lot of stuff has to go right exactly. for that to happen. A yeah. lot of luck. And you're not, I mean, are you so, trying, I mean, I'm guessing you're not trying to necessarily, I mean, obviously you try and make every putt you hit, but you're basically, like when I saw you guys hit your shots, you were, like you said, 50, 60 feet short, and Neil was about 25, 30 feet uh, pin high left, and immediately I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go play this hole again. These guys are going to lag them up, and, yeah. and that's, that's kind of what I was, I mean, I actually... Uh, asked Amanda Cobb, the uh, tournament director, as I drove up to the green, I asked her, I said, where do they go next? I was, I mean, I was literally like, where do they go next? Do we go back to 18? We go to 1, 17? What are we doing? Because I'm just thinking, you know, odds are both of you or one of you are not going to, you know, make a, a 40, 50, 60 footer. Yeah. I was wrong. It- it's happened before. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, like I said, you know, whoever tells you that making a 50, 60 foot putt is all skill, they're lying to you. (laughs) You have to have so much. (laughs) I mean, I would be lying straight through my teeth if I said that that was all me that made that putt. It was not. I hit as good of a putt as I could and... You know, it wasn't just me at play there. And, I and then you went and then you went nuts, uh, <laughs> yelling and going crazy. Which we thankfully we had some uh, some uh, familiar faces from the <laughs> OU uh, social media department show up and get some video of you going absolutely nuts after making that putt. 
Um, <laughs> that I'm guessing biggest excitement you've ever had on a golf course. Um, I, unless, you know, counting, yeah. uh, unless beating Stephen Campbell ranks up there, but just, you know, it depends. <laughs> I don't know how, where that ranks. I mean, I, that'd be tough for me too. I mean, beating Stephen Campbell Jr. or winning the transmiss, I'm not sure what would excite me more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I've only really got one other thing that can kind of rival the excitement I felt. I mean, obviously with golf being an individual sport, you know, winning a golf tournament for yourself is something that's really hard to, you know, claim anything goes over that. Um, I will say that the other top two experience I had was what you were talking about earlier, my team winning big 12s at Prairie Dunes this year. Um, getting to be a part of that winning squad and seeing everything like that, that was, you know, up there top level. But honestly, if I'm going to be selfish with my answer, making that putt and kind of how that tournament finished um, at the transmiss, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and selfishly say that was probably the most amazing feeling I've had in a golf tournament in my entire life. Well, it was uh, something I never expected. Well, I mean, that's, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's just being honest. And yeah, that's the biggest amateur career or amateur victory of your career. And yeah, you're supposed to be excited about it. Um, you know, right afterwards, obviously there's a lot of commotion and there's, there's pictures and there's trophies and, um, and, and interviews and, and, just it's a it's a mad scene around there and also everyone's really hot and um you know i guess the 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 other thing that comes with it and i I mean this sounds cool but i i've spent a lot of time with this guy and and you know there's it's it's a lot you had to have lunch with will zalatoris a former champion that stopped by (laughs) and I mean, to spend uh, that much time with Zalatoris, I've I've been there. It's a lot. It's a struggle. It tests your patience. How was that lunch with Will Zalatoris? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you right now, Ben. That was one of the coolest things that I think has ever happened to me. Because you know, obviously coming off that win and everything sort of felt like a daze at that point, right? And then I got to. Like Zalatoris, Will Zalatoris is standing right behind the green, and he was part of the trophy presentation. And I'm like, oh wow, this is really cool. Like you know, past champion given a trophy and you know big name. But then all of a sudden, he was like, hey, you want to come eat inside? And like getting to talk to Will and actually getting to sit down and you know see that. You know, what a lot of people don't realize is those guys you watch on TV, they're, they're normal human beings. And that's that's saying a lot about him, but I go on, I'm not going to (laughs) interrupt you. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I mean, Will, he, he was, he was absolutely fantastic. He, he's funny. He, you know, we got to talking about everything, you know, his, his back, his, you know, the PJ tour tournaments you know when he was an amateur he gave me a lot of insight on just kind of you know amateur golf and sort of what it was like for him and we just kind of I got the spitball with him for a long time and it was it was really really cool because you know obviously winning a tournament like that 
I didn't expect it an hour beforehand. And then, you know, fast forward two hours later from hole number 13 and I'm sitting in there having lunch or a drink with Will Zalatoris. Like it was just, it was really, really cool. And he, uh, yeah. He, uh, no, I mean, it was just, it was really cool to see that he's just a down to earth guy. Like he, he was laughing, joking. Like, I mean, the guy's just really, really good at hitting a golf ball, but he's a normal dude and he's just, he can golf really well. I would imagine that the (laughs) only thing that would have made it better was if that he actually picked up the check. That probably would have been the the thrilling part of that that (laughs) afternoon. But I mean, that... You know, I mean, come on, just, you know, alligator arms, you know, get, get, put your hand in your pocket, do something. But no, yeah. um, <laughs> I, as you can tell, uh, Will Will has been on this podcast three times. And uh, if there's any opportunity to, to kind of mess with him, um, I always do it. And I know he's listening right now, just shaking his head. And, and I'm probably going to be getting a text uh, a few <laughs> minutes after he listens to this. But that's OK. Um, well, it was a great championship. Uh, what do you got on for – so you have USAM qualifier. What do you got the rest of the summer? You know, obviously, hopefully the USAM qualifier goes well and I'll get to compete at Cherry Hills. But other than that, I have the Western uh, Amateur. And I'm not doing Southern, so I'll be – next time I'll be teeing it up is at Western. And then, you know, hopefully – up in Colorado for the AM. That's hey, that and before you know it, you're going to be back uh, back at school, back at Norman, and uh, trying to help lead the Sooners to another uh, Big Twelve. I think you got some teams joining the Big Twelve uh, this coming season, if I if I'm not mistaken. You got uh, University of Houston yeah, coming that's... in, and BYU, and um, I think BYU. I know Houston. Um, got some. Mm-hmm. Got we got BYU's coming in. Okay, so you got BYU, yeah. Houston. So the Big Twelve will be the Big Sixteen or something. I'm not sure, but uh, you got you got some more people join the party. Yeah, we do. It'll be a lot of fun. Fantastic, uh, fantastic finish. Fantastic tournament. Uh, picking up a win in the fourth of the seven Elite Amateur Golf Series uh, events. So uh, congratulations again. We will see you at the Western Amateur, and uh, appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ben, for having me. It's been been great to be a part of. And there you have it. Special thanks to Rob Addington from the Transmiss Golf Association, as well as the new champion, Jake Holbrook from Oklahoma. Remember, everything you need to know about the Elite Amateur Golf Series and the Back of the Range can be found online. EliteAmateurGolfSeries.org and TheBackOfTheRange.com. I'm off to the Southern Amateur. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range. <laughs>